Chris Landry on a Monday, 4 to 4.30. Landry Football is the website, LandryFootball.com. On Twitter, at LandryFootball. Chris, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? We're doing good, Chris. I appreciate you taking some time. Before we get into the draft and Aaron Rodgers, uh, the news that broke about an hour ago, I want to ask you a little – let's go a little college football first. I want to ask you about your thoughts on, you know, from 10,000 foot, what's going on at Colorado. Um, The fact that, you know, obviously ESPN picked up the Colorado spring game, a lot of excitement. Uh, Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes sold out the stadium this past weekend. 48 hours later, 13 more guys jump in the transfer portal. Um, As of 145 today – only 23 players remained uh, from last year's team of the scholarship players. This is the biggest, in my estimation, roster turnover in a calendar year that we've ever seen, regardless of how good a team is or bad. Um, boy, I tell you what, what an, what an experiment we're kind of watching going on there in Colorado. Yeah, there's no question. A, we don't have a, a large sample size of in the modern era of massive roster changes because, you know, in the – age of the transfer portal and it's still relatively new um you know Dion is is the marketing guy that that's what he's going to do and that's why he's got them you know on tv and all of that how good they're going to be we'll, we'll see in time um he kind of said he was going to change over the roster he has he's got a very aggressive and a very creative way in the days of nil where um Heck, he got, he got a guy a lot of money to go to Jackson State, Travis Hunter, that's going to be a two-way player for him now at Colorado. His own son is one heck of a player um, that could be playing like SEC level ball. But, you know, playing for his dad. So, you know, we'll see how, you know, well, how successful he's going to be. It's definitely a program that hit um, a level of apathy, and that's not the case now. So there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of focus, there's a lot of hype. We'll see how good the football is. We'll see how much talent he can bring in, how long it's going to take, how well he can coalesce, how he's going to deal with uh, situations. All those things are going to be interesting to watch. It won't be boring, I can tell you that. Chris Landry on your radio, Monday edition of the program. And of course, find him on Twitter at Landry Football and the website LandryFootball.com. Chris, as you kind of chalk through, you know, post-spring, we'll see as this uh, transfer portal buttons up. I want to ask you about Michigan. How, how close is Michigan, at least in your estimation, to Georgia? When you look at some of the prognostications, the, the post-spring polls, a lot of the fodder that's out there, uh, Michigan's sitting right there, right behind Georgia. Is that gap between the two very wide, or is Jim Harbaugh, is he being able to close that gap between, say, Michigan and Georgia? No, it's still pretty wide. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a gap. Um, but when you're talking about the rest of the schools, I think he's, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to throw Alabama and Georgia in that category. They, they don't have the speed to play with those type of teams. Alabama, Georgia, um, they play with a level of physicality and speed that Michigan can't match athletically. Ohio State has lost a little ground in terms of physicality, which has hurt them in that matchup against Michigan. But, you know, it's... It, can they continue to compete and win the Big Ten on a regular basis? Yeah, but does that make them closer to, to Georgia or Alabama? Not unless Georgia Alabama slip. There's a distinct difference. Michigan has really good talent. They've got good players coming out of this draft, coming out of next year's draft, last year's draft, good players. But Georgia Alabama level, no, it's it's, it's a it's a gap, uh, and it's 
you know, it's a, probably a little bit more than, than the record might indicate. But when you start stacking up like a top ten, yeah, you could, I could see people putting them in that fourth, fifth, sixth. you got to put somebody, but there is a gap in my view. Chris, when you look at the NFL, we'll shift uh, the rest of the way to the, into the National Football League. I want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers. Officially, it looks like, uh, courtesy of reports, uh, NFL Network, Ian Rappaport, and others, that the Packers and Jets have agreed to a mega trade, sending four-time uh, MVP Aaron Rodgers to the Jets for major compensation, uh, which the NFL now with this today, uh, you have to wonder if this is the day they actually wanted to do it. They'll control the whole uh, news cycle the rest of the week with the draft and all of this, which is what the NFL does. Um, how much better does this make the Jets? And do you agree with Vegas that now the Jets are a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Well, a couple of things. I did a podcast on it this morning about a number of trades that could happen or guys that are on the trading block. And of course, Aaron Rodgers knew that this was only a matter of time. What really made the move, I mean, I know it, it is a news cycle, but that's not really what drove it. What drove it was the Packers said, you know, we want that second-round pick. They've got a Jets got a 42 and 43. They wanted one of those picks, and they held out on it. And if they weren't going to get what they wanted, they'll just say, back with it. We'll wait after June 1st to play. Because then we could save more cap room. Now, you know, the big key is how much of that has been agreed to be absorbed by the Packers, the cap hit, versus the Jets. That's what we don't know yet. Still trying to get that language, and, you know, most of the agents lie on that situation. So you really don't know what's true. But the compensation fit with the Packers wanted. But they, they were not in a position where they were going to take anything less than they wanted. The Jets wanted to get it done, of course. Both wanted to get it done. But it wasn't going to get done at the expense of doing a deal that wasn't good. I think the Packers got what they wanted. The Jets can't, had to come up from their initial offer because they wanted them in there. I think they wanted to, to see what they needed to do come draft time. They wanted to secure getting him in as soon as possible with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, not for Aaron Rodgers needing to learn the offense, because it's going to be an offense he's familiar with that Nathaniel and that staff's going to run. It's getting the young players on that Jets team acclimated with Aaron Rodgers, something that if Aaron Rodgers had done better in the offseason with the Packers, might have made a difference in them making deeper runs. But between, you know, the silent retreats and dark retreats and the golf course and everything, Aaron hasn't been able to fit that into his schedule. It apparently... He's got something to prove now, and he's made a commitment to come in and begin to work. Is he going to do the, the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, work out voluntarily, get those guys going? Uh, I doubt he goes that step, but that's why the deal got done. The, they, it was likely going to happen sometime this week, and they started really talking Friday and over the weekend. And it, I think it was that, and I think the – contingency, the conditional picks in 2024, which are contingent upon how deep they go, the, the Jets, and how long he plays. Let's remember, we don't know with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to play with the Jets one year, two years. I mean, anybody know? nobody knows. Aaron Rodgers is as flaky as they're come, so they could be doing all of this for a one-year run, but they're willing to pay more in 24 in terms of picks if he sticks around. So, those are the complexities that took place, and they had stopped talking for a while. And it, it got to the point, and deadlines for movement. And that's, that's we're, we're at a, in the Jets' eyes, a deadline to get that done before the draft, So or else the Packers are going to wait after June 1st, and the Jets didn't want that. So 
um, the Packers got what they wanted out of it. And the Jets, I'm sure, happened. Chris, same question for the Packers. Uh, obviously, this is now officially the Jordan uh, Jordan Love era. Your thoughts on him, and is this kind of a bridge gap? We haven't seen a whole lot of football out of him since he was picked up several years ago. Uh, is is this a kind of a bridge moment for the Packers, uh, looking maybe for another quarterback? Is it a reset, or uh, is it just uh, you know business-like as usual because it's been a long time since we've seen anybody not named Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, and before that, it was a guy named Brett Favre. Go back. Yeah. How long it's been since they've had back-to-back quarterbacks? Now, they love uh, Jordan Love. They think he's, you know, the real deal. So they're going forward. They got blinders on with him. Now, if he doesn't perform well, then then certainly they're going to be in the quarterback business at some point. But I, you know, I think that they philosophically through you know their approach they're gonna go with best player but they, they they're gonna try to surround and do the best job they can around jordan love but they're they're gonna to me fixing the running game improving the defense is what they need to do that's the best way they can help jordan love and that's where you can truly evaluate how good he can be because we don't we've got a very small sample size but they're in meetings with him every day uh during the season and and when they have off-season work and they're in practice with them and they think he is ready and they wouldn't be making this move if they haven't and they felt like the situation when Aaron Rodgers had become you know he wasn't really cooperative with how he you know he certainly wasn't doing a really good job taking the leadership role as I mentioned he didn't do any work in the off-season with his young receivers yet He's the guy standing in front of his locker every time when the media goes to him, tell him, well, you know, these guys, guys got to come along. They're not doing this. I mean, he's critiquing them like he's the head coach and the general manager. Yet, you know, he wasn't the guy that, that decided, you know, to come in and help those guys develop. Because, you know, had he, you know, about week 12, that, that receiving core started to play better. Imagine if they had spent time in the offseason if Aaron Rodgers was really dedicated then that team might have been pretty good. Well, they, they've kind of given up on that because they've gone as far as they can with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron was basically very difficult to deal with. And now, in their eyes, he's the Jets' problem. From the Jets' standpoint, you know, they, they, they need to make a deep run. If they're not in the same breath as the Bills and the Chiefs um, and the Bengals this year, you know, if they're not in that same conversation among the four best teams in the AFC, then this will be a huge disappointment because this is certainly uh, not the future of the quarterback of the Jets because we don't know how long Aaron's going to play. He might be rejuvenated, Jake. Maybe he plays five more years. I don't know. But it's going to be a year-to-year situation and a lot of drama with Aaron Rodgers. That, that much we know. 